Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is Guy Hasegawa, Senior Editor at the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy, speaking with Dr. Eric Tishy, who is Senior Clinical Specialist in Solid Organ Transplantation at Yale New Haven Hospital. Dr. Tishy is one of the authors of an article entitled, Clinical Outcomes Associated with Conversion from Brand Name to Generic Tacrolimus in Hospitalized Kidney Transplant Recipients. And this article is appearing in the September 1st 2013 issue of AJHP. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Tishy. Thank you for having me. Well, let's begin by providing a little background and context for your study. Uh, perhaps you can start by telling us why transplant conditions clinicians are sensitive to the use of generic immunosuppressive medications. Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is that the main immunosuppressive medications that we use in transplant they have a narrow therapeutic range. So if you slightly exceed the therapeutic range, you can see a lot of side effects and toxicity. If you do not maintain adequate levels, you can see rejection of the allograft. So clinicians are concerned that if there's a difference between the brand and generic product, you might push one of those two thresholds and increase the risk of toxicity or lack of efficacy and have rejection. Now, historically, there have been examples with a cyclosporin formulation that has been removed from the market where the product actually was not bioequivalent when it was in apple juice. And so there are sort of the just general clinical concerns. And then historically, there have been examples where there have been issues with generic products in the transplant arena. Well, then what is the transplant communities or your own past experience with generic immunosuppressive medications? Well, my experience prior to this quality improvement initiative was that we tried to avoid the use of generic immunosuppressive medications. We would use other generic medications, but the calcineurin inhibitors, which are the primary immunosuppressive medications, we typically had avoided them. In 2009, tacrolimus became available as generic, and this is really the workhorse for immunosuppression in our program. We had seen this as an opportunity to provide some cost savings to the hospital, and we initiated a quality improvement program. Based on that experience, our experience with the generic product was actually very positive. What exactly was your study designed to assess, and how did you pick this particular research question? So this, at the time, was a very hot topic in the field of transplant. We knew that the generic tacrolimus product had been FDA approved, but a, a product had not yet been released. This had been a discussion at several transplant meetings among transplant pharmacists and other transplant clinicians as well. At our center, it was also somewhat controversial with our clinicians. And we wanted to sort of use the generic products in what we felt would be the safest and most responsible way. So we had developed this quality improvement initiative to see if using the generic product would have any clinical implications. So would we see a difference in rates of rejection or adverse effects? And then 
we also wanted to see if we were to do this, you know, what would be the appropriate monitoring to implement for the patients that would be undergoing these changes. Well, then what were your major findings and how can they be used within health systems? So our major findings were that we, at our center at least, we make a lot of changes to the immunosuppressive dosing, regardless of whether we use the brand or generic products when when patients are admitted to the hospital and also when they're discharged. We didn't see that there was any correlation between whether it was a brand product or a generic product that was used. There's a lot of sort of variables that probably go into what leads to these changes, but it didn't seem to correlate to whether it was the generic or brand product that we used. But you use just one particular generic product. Uh, How many are there out there for this drug, and can your results from this study be applied to those other brands? So that's a, a good question. At the time, there was only one generic product available, and now there are about six products that are available. Of course, ideally, we would do a similar study with each generic product, but I think that the sort of methodology that we used would be applicable to the other generic products as well. And the other generic products, while they're not, you know, identical to the generic product that we used, they're held to the same standards as far as the approval process for requirements of bioequivalence that the generic product that we use would be required to have. So we would expect to see sort of similar clinical parameters play out uh, with different products, but that's, of course, speculation. So you'd probably uh, handle the patient, monitor the patient the same way, regardless of what generic preparation uh, is being used. That's correct. And I think an important point is that in our transplant center, we tend to follow levels very closely when patients are admitted to the hospital. Our experience has been that when patients are sick, their levels tend to fluctuate. And then when they are sick, you may want to, you know, run the levels a little bit lower, for example, if they have an infection. So given that, we already were checking levels very closely. So we felt that if we were switching products, well, that would be something we would just take into account and that would be resolved with the level monitoring that we were already doing. Right. So does the uh, ability to perform this monitoring, does that make you more comfortable using generics? Well, certainly when we first started using it, it made us feel a lot more comfortable. And I think that if you look at the guidelines that are put out by the transplant clinicians and transplant societies, they do recommend that if you're going to be using generic products, or at least for the narrow therapeutic range medications, that you should do that in tandem with therapeutic drug level monitoring. Right. Now, maybe you can, uh, just for some more background, describe the approval process for generics and how that differs from the innovator brand name product. So the generic product only has to prove that there's bioequivalence. So there's no testing for any kind of clinical outcomes with the generic product. So the bioequivalence testing would require that the product reaches the same systemic circulation um, to the equivalent rate and to the equivalent extent to the innovator product. So while there's no clinical comparison, we are kind of comparing pharmacokinetics and making sure that they fall within an appropriate range. And then how would you characterize the impact of generic immunosuppressants on health systems? Well, if you take out the need for additional monitoring, we would see that, at least in our example, there was cost savings because the generic products 
would have a lower acquisition cost than the branded products. So that has important implications for health systems. The medications for transplant patients make up a very large part of the cost for their hospitalization. And so the opportunity to introduce the generic products offers the possibility of driving down the acquisition cost for those key medications. Now, in your study, um, some of the patients were on one brand of drug before they got into the hospital. They were switched to another uh, hospitalized and then switched back to the one they were on before. Can you explain uh, why that happened? So there was a couple of reasons for it. One is that when we started our study, it was right after the generic product had been approved. So all of our patients had previously been maintained on the brand name product. They were admitted to the hospital and we had made a a formulary change to have the generic product on our formulary. And so we converted them to the generic product while they were admitted. Now, many of these patients were going back to the product that they already had at home upon discharge. And that's why we saw this transition from being on the branded product, on the generic product in the hospital, and then continued on the um, branded product once discharged. And so we, we looked at the sort of changes in, in doses and levels in those different phases of care. All right. Now, what about the FDA? Uh, can they do anything to help transplant clinicians deal with the generic immunosuppressive medications? I think one step would be to do additional bioequivalence comparisons with the generic products, maybe doing a generic-to-generic comparison. That's one of the areas where transplant clinicians have some concerns. But interestingly, some of the surveys that have been sent out to transplant clinicians, they've talked about sort of narrowing the bioequivalence requirements and making them a little bit more strict. And in a lot of those surveys, the clinicians said, well, we would like to see that done, but it wouldn't necessarily make us feel any more comfortable. So one thing that I think would be helpful is doing these studies specifically in transplant patients, the bioequivalent studies at least, and then doing them in different types of transplant patients. So testing them in African-American patients, Hispanic patients, as well as uh, Caucasian patients. So those would be things that the FDA could do to make clinicians feel more comfortable. Right. So in part, you're looking for ethnicity-related differences in pharmacokinetics and how these patients handle these uh, different formulations of the drugs. That's right. And I think this can sometimes be a slippery slope, which is maybe why the FDA hasn't pursued it to a large extent, because we could also say maybe diabetics would be a population because of issues of gastroparesis and things like that. Certainly, doing it in a couple of those different populations would help clinicians feel more comfortable. Okay. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Dr. Tishi. You're welcome. This is Guy Hasegawa, Senior Editor of American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I've been speaking with Dr. Eric Tishi about the article, Clinical Outcomes Associated with Conversion from Brand Name to Generic Tacrolimus and Hospitalized Kidney Transplant Recipients, which is in the September 1st, 2013 issue of HAHP. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.